scene athens and a wood not far from it act one scene one athens a room in the palace of theseus enter theseus hippolyta philostrate and attendants now fair hippolyta our nuptial hour draws on apace four happy days bring in another moon but oh methinks how slow this old moon wanes she lingers my desires like to a stepdame or a dowager long withering out a young man's revenue four days will quickly steep themselves in nights four nights will quickly dream away the time and then the moon like to a silver bow new bent in heaven shall behold the night of our solemnities go philostrate stir up the athenian youth to merriments awake the pert and nimble spirit of mirth turn melancholy forth to funerals the pale companion is not for our pomp exit philostrate hippolyta i wooed thee with my sword and won thy love doing thee injuries but i will wed thee in another key with pomp with triumph and with revelling enter aegeus hermia lysander and demetrius happy be theseus our renowned duke thanks good aegeus what's the news with thee full of vexation come i with complaint against my child my daughter hermia stand forth demetrius my noble lord this man hath my consent to marry her stand forth lysander and my gracious duke this man hath bewitched the bosom of my child thou thou lysander thou hast given her rhymes and interchanged love tokens with my child thou hast by moonlight at her window sung with feigning voice verses of feigning love and stolen the impression of her fantasy with bracelets of thy hair rings gods conceits knacks trifles nosegays sweet meats messengers of strong prevailment in unhardened youth with cunning hast thou filched my daughter's heart turned her obedience which is due to me to stubborn harshness and my gracious duke be it so she will not hear before your grace consent to marry with demetrius i beg the ancient privilege of athens as she is mine i may dispose of her which shall be either to this gentleman or to her death according to our law immediately provided in that case what say you hermia be advised fair maid to you your father should be as a god one that composed your beauties yea and one to whom you are but as a form in wax by him imprinted and within his power to leave the figure or disfigure it demetrius is a worthy gentleman so is lysander in himself he is but in this kind wanting your father's voice the other must be held the worthier i would my father looked but with my eyes rather your eyes must with his judgment look i do entreat your grace to pardon me i know not by what power i am made bold nor how it may concern my modesty in such a presence here to plead my thoughts but i beseech your grace that i may know the worst that may befall me in this case if i refuse to wed demetrius either to die the death 
or to abjure for ever the society of men. Therefore, fair Hermia, question your desires, know of your youth, examine well your blood, whether, if you yield not to your father's choice, you can endure the livery of a nun. For I, to be shady cloister mewed, to live a barren sister all your life, chanting faint hymns to the cold fruitless moon thrice blessed they that master so their blood to undergo such maiden pilgrimage but earthlier happy is the rose distilled than that which withering on the virgin thorn grows lives and dies in single blessedness so will i grow so live, so die, my lord, ere I will yield my virgin patent up unto his lordship, whose unwished yoke my soul consents not to give sovereignty. Take time to pause, and by the next new moon, the sealing day betwixt my love and me, for everlasting bond of fellowship, upon that day either prepare to die for disobedience to your father's will, or else to wed Demetrius, as he would, or on Diana's altar to protest for I, austerity, and single life. Relent, sweet Hermia, and, Lysander, yield thy crazed title to my certain right. You have her father's love. Demetrius, let me have Hermia's. Do you marry him? Scornful Lysander, true he hath my love, and what is mine my love shall render him and she is mine and all my right of her i do estate unto demetrius i am my lord as well derived as he as well possessed my love is more than his my fortunes every way as fairly ranked if not with vantage as demetrius is and which is more than all these boasts can be i am beloved of beauteous hermia why should not i then prosecute my right demetrius i'll avouch it to his head made love to nadar's daughter helena and won her soul and she sweet lady dotes devoutly dotes dotes in idolatry upon this spotted and inconstant man i must confess that i have heard so much and with Demetrius thought to have spoke thereof, but being overfull of self-affairs, my mind did lose it. But Demetrius, come, and come, Aegeus, you shall go with me. I have some private schooling for you both. For you, fair Hermia, look you arm yourself to fit your fancies to your father's will, or else the law of Athens yields you up, which by no means we may extenuate, to death or to a vow of single life. Come, my Hippolyta, what cheer, my love? Demetrius and Aegeus, go along. I must employ you in some business against our nuptial, and confer with you of something nearly that concerns yourselves. With duty and desire we follow you. Exeunt Theseus, Hippolyta, Aegeus, Demetrius, and Train. How now, my love? Why is your cheek so pale? How chance the roses there do fade so fast? They like for want of rain, which I could well beteem them from the tempest of my eyes. Ah, me, for aught that I could ever read, could ever hear by tale of history, the course of true love never did run smooth. But either it was different in blood. Oh, cross, 
too high to be enthralled to low. Or else misgraft in respect of years. Oh, spite. Too old to be engaged to young. Or else it stood upon the choice of friends. Oh, hell. To choose love by another's eye. Or if there were a sympathy in choice. War, death, or sickness did lay siege to it, making it momentary as a sound, swift as a shadow, short as any dream. Brief as the lightning in the collied night that, in a spleen, unfolds both heaven and earth. And ere a man hath power to say, Behold, the jaws of darkness do devour it up, so quick bright things come to confusion. If, then, true lovers have ever crossed, it stands as an edict in destiny. Then let us teach our trial patience, because it is a customary cross. As due to love is thoughts and dreams and sighs, wishes and tears, poor fancies followers. A good persuasion. Therefore hear me, Hermia. I have a widow aunt, a dowager of great revenue, and she hath no child. From Athens is her house remote seven leagues, and she respects me as her only son. There, gentle Hermia, may I marry thee, and to that place the sharp Athenian law cannot pursue us. If thou lovest me then, steal forth thy father's house tomorrow night, and in the wood, a league without the town, where I did meet thee once with Helena to do observance to a morn of May, there will I stay for thee. My good Lysander, I swear to thee by Cupid's strongest bow, by his best arrow with the golden head, by the simplicity of Venus's doves, by that which knitteth souls and prospers loves, and by that fire which burned the Carthage queen, when the false Trojan under sail was seen, by all the vows that ever men have broke, in number more than ever women spoke, in that same place thou hast appointed me, to-morrow truly will I meet with thee. Keep promise, love. Look, here comes Helena. Enter Helena. Godspeed, fair Helena. Whither away? Call you me fair, that fair again unsay. Demetrius loves your fair, O oh, happy fair. Your eyes are lodestars, and your tongue's sweet air, more tunable than lark to shepherd's air. When wheat is green, when hawthorn buds appear, sickness is catching, oh, where favour so. Yours would I catch, fair Hermia, ere I go. My ear should catch your voice, my eye your eye. My tongue should catch your tongue's sweet melody. Were the world mine, Demetrius being baited, The rest I'd give to be to you translated. O oh, teach me how you look, and with what art You sway the motion of Demetrius' heart. I frown upon him, yet he loves me still. Oh, that your frowns would teach my smiles such skill. I give him curses, yet he gives me love. Oh, that my prayers could such affection move. The more I hate, the more he follows me. The more I love, the more he hated me. His folly, Helena, is no fault of mine. None but your beauty, would that fault were mine. Take comfort. He no more shall see my face. Lysander and myself will fly this place. Before the time I did Lysander see seemed Athens as a paradise to me. Oh, then what graces in my love do dwell that he hath turned a heaven unto hell. Helen, 
To you our minds we will unfold. Tomorrow night when Phoebe doth behold her silver visage in the watery glass, decking with liquid pearl the bladed grass, a time that lovers' flights doth still conceal, through Athens' gates have we devised to steal. And in the wood, where often you and I, upon faint primrose beds were wont to lie, emptying our bosoms of their counsel sweet, there my Lysander and myself shall meet. And thence from Athens turn away our eyes to seek new friends and stranger companies. Farewell, sweet playfellow. Pray thou for us, and good luck grant thee thy Demetrius. Keep word, Lysander. We must starve our sight from lover's food till morrow deep midnight. I will, my Hermia. Exit Hermia. Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius dote on you. Exit Lysander. How happy some are, other some can be. Through Athens I am thought as fair as she. But what of that? Demetrius thinks not so. He will not know what all but he do know. And as he errs, doting on Hermia's eyes, so I admiring of his qualities, things base and vile, holding no quantity, Love can transpose to form and dignity. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind. And therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Nor hath love's mind of any judgment taste. Wings and no eyes figure unheedy haste. And therefore is love said to be a child, Because in choice he is so oft beguiled. As vaggish boys in game themselves forswear, So the boy-love is perdued everywhere. For ere Demetrius looked on Hermia's eyne, He hailed down oats that he was only mine. And when this hail some heat from Hermia felt, So he dissolved, and showers of oaths did melt. I will go tell him of fair Hermia's flight, Then to the wood, Will he to-morrow night pursue her, and for his intelligence, If I have thanks, it is a dear expense, But herein mean I to enrich my pain, To have his sight thither and back again. Exit Helena. Scene two. The same. A room in a cottage. Enter, snug, bottom, flute, snout, quince, and starveling is all our company here you were best to call them generally man by man according to the scrip here is the scroll of every man's name which is thought fit through all athens to play in our interlude before the duke and duchess on his wedding day at night first good peter quince say what the play treats on then read the names of the actors and so grow to a point mary our play is the most lamentable comedy and most cruel death of Pyramus and Thisbe. A very good piece of work, I assure you, and a merry. Now, good Peter Quince, call forth your actors by the scroll. Masters, spread yourselves. Answer as I call you. Nick Bottom the Weaver. Ready. Name what part I am for, and proceed. You, Nick Bottom, are set down for Pyramus. What is Pyramus? A lover or a tyrant? A lover. 
that kills himself most gallantly for love. That will ask some tears in the true performing of it. If I do it, let the audience look to their eyes. I will move storms. I will condole in some measure. To the rest. Yet my chief humor is for a tyrant. I could play Hercules rarely, or a part to tear a cat in, to make all split. The raging rocks and shivering shocks shall break the locks of prison gates, and Phoebus' car shall shine from far, and make and mar the foolish fates. This was lofty. Now name the rest of the players. This is Ercles' vein, a tyrant's vein. A lover is more condoling. Francis Flute, the bellows mender. Here, Peter Quince. Flute, you must take Thisbe on you. What is Thisbe? A wandering knight? It is the lady that Pyramus must love. Nay, faith, let me not play a woman. I have a beard coming. That's all one. You shall play it in a mask, and you may speak as small as you will. And I may hide my face. Let me play Thisbe, too. I'll speak in a monstrous little voice. Thisne, Thisne, ah, Pyramus, my lover dear, thy Thisbe dear, and lady dear. No, no, you must play Pyramus, and flute you Thisbe. Well, proceed. Robin Starveling the tailor. Here, Peter Quince. Robin Starveling, you must play Thisbe's mother. Tom Snout, the tinker. Here, Peter Quince. You, Pyramus's father. Myself, Thisbe's father. Snug the joiner. You, the lion's part. And I hope here is a play fitted. Have you the lion's part written? Pray you, if it be, give it me, for I am slow of study. You may do it extempore, for it is nothing but roaring. Let me play the lion, too. I will roar that I will do any man's heart good to hear me. I will roar that I will make the duke say, Let him roar again, let him roar again. And you should do it too terribly. You would fright the duchess and the ladies that they would shriek, and that were enough to hang us all. That would hang us every mother's son. I grant you, friends, if you should fright the ladies out of their wits, they would have no more discretion but to hang us. But I will aggravate my voice so, that I will roar you as gently as any sucking dove. I will roar you when twere any nightingale. You can play no part but Pyramus, for Pyramus is a sweet-faced man, a proper man, as one shall see in a summer's day, a most lovely, gentlemanlike man. Therefore you must needs play Pyramus. Well, I will undertake it. What beard were I best to play it in? Why, what you will. Hmm. I will discharge it in either your straw-color beard, your orange-tawny beard, your purple-and-grain beard, or your French-crown-color beard, your perfect yellow. Some of your French crowns have no hair at all, and then you will play barefaced. Uh, 
But, masters, here are your parts, and I am to entreat you, request you, and desire you to con them by tomorrow night, and meet me in the palace wood a mile without the town by moonlight. There will we rehearse, for if we meet in the city we shall be dogged with company and our devices known. In the meantime I will draw a bill of properties such as our play wants. I pray you, fail me not. We will meet, and there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains, be perfect. Adieu! At the Duke's Oak we meet. Enough! Hold or cut bowstrings. Exeunt. End of Act One. Act Two of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One, A Wood near Athens. Enter a fairy at one door, and Puck at another. How now, spirit? Whither wander you? Over hill, over dale, through bush, through briar, over park, over pale, through flood, through fire. I do wander everywhere, swifter than the moon's sphere. And I serve the fairy queen to do her orbs upon the green. The cowslips tall her pensioners be, in their gold coats, spots, you see, those be rubies. Fairy favours, in those freckles live their savours. I must go seek some dewdrops here, and hang a pearl in every cowslip's ear. Farewell, thou lob of spirits, I'll be gone. Our queen and all our elves come here anon. The king doth keep his revels here to-night. Take heed the queen come not within his sight, for Oberon is passing fell and wrath, because that she as her attendant hath a lovely boy stolen from an indian king she never had so sweet a changeling angelus oberon would have the child knight of his train to trace the forests wild but she perforce withholds the loved boy crowns him with flowers and makes him all her joy and now they never meet in grove or green by fountain clear or spangled starlight sheen but they do square that all their elves for fear creep into acorn cups and hide them there either i mistake your shape and making quite or else you are that shrewd and knavish sprite called robin goodfellow are not you he that frights the maidens of the villagery skim milk and sometimes labour in the quern and bootless make the breathless housewife churn and sometime make the drink to bear no barm mislead night-wanderers laughing at their harm those that hobgoblin call you and sweet puck you do their work and they shall have good luck are not you he thou speakest aright i am that merry wanderer of the night i jest to oberon and make him smile when i a fat and bean-fed horse beguile neighing in likeness of a filly foal and sometime lurk I in a gossip's bowl, 
in very likeness of a roasted crab, and when she drinks against her lips I bob, and on her withered dewlap pour the ale, the wisest aunt telling the saddest tale. Sometime for three-foot stool mistaketh me, then slip I from her bum, down topples she, and Taylor cries and falls into a cough, and then the whole choir hold their hips and laugh, and waxen in their mirth, and knees and swear. A merrier hour was never wasted there. But room, fairy, here comes Oberon. And here my mistress, would that he were gone. Enter Oberon at one door with his train, and Titania at another with hers. Ill met by moonlight, proud Titania. What, jealous Oberon? Fairies, skip hence. I have forsworn his bed and company. Tarry, rash wanton, am I not thy lord? Then I must be thy lady. But I know when thou hast stolen away from fairyland, and in the shape of Corin sat all day, playing on pipes of corn and versing love to amorous Phyllida. Why art thou here, come from the farthest steep of India, but that forsooth the bouncing Amazon, your buskined mistress and your warrior love to Theseus must be wedded, and you come to give their bed joy and prosperity. How canst thou thus for shame, Titania, glance at my credit with Hippolyta, knowing I know thy love to Theseus? Didst not thou lead him through the glimmering night from Perigenia, whom he ravished, and make him with fair Aegle break his faith with Ariadne and Antiope? These are the forgeries of jealousy. And never, since the middle summer's spring, Met we on hill, in dale, forest, or mead, By paved fountain, or by rushy brook, Or on the beached margent of the sea, To dance our ringlets to the whistling wind. But with thy brawls thou hast disturbed our sport. Therefore the winds, piping to us in vain, As in revenge have sucked up from the sea contagious fogs, which falling in the land hath every pelting river made so proud that they have overborne their continents. The ox hath therefore stretched his yoke in vain, the ploughman lost his sweat, and the green corn hath rotted ere his youth attained a beard. The fold stands empty in the drowned field, and crows are fatted with the Murrian flock. The nine men's morris is filled up with mud, and the quaint mazes in the wanton green for lack of tread are undistinguishable. The human mortals want their winter here. No night is now with him or Carol blessed. Therefore the moon, the governess of floods, pale in her anger, washes all the air, that rheumatic diseases do abound. And thorough this distemperature we see the seasons alter. Hoary-headed frosts fall in the fresh lap of the crimson rose, And on old Hyam's thin and icy crown An odorous chaplet of sweet summer buds Is as in mockery set. The spring, the summer, the childing autumn, Angry winter change their wonted liveries, And the mazed world by their increase Now knows not which is which. 
And this same progeny of evils comes from our debate, from our dissension. We are their parents and original. Do you amend it, then? It lies in you. Why should Titania cross her Oberon? I do but beg a little changeling boy to be my henchman. Oh, set your heart at rest. The fairy land buys not the child of me. His mother was a votress of my order. And in the spiced Indian air by night full often hath she gossiped by my side, and sat with me on Neptune's yellow sands, marking the embarked traders on the flood, when we have laughed to see the sails conceive, and grow big-bellied with the wanton wind, which she with pretty and with swimming gait following, her womb then rich with my young squire, would imitate, and sail upon the land to fetch me trifles, and return again as from a voyage rich with merchandise. But she, being mortal, of that boy did die, and for her sake do I rear up her boy, and for her sake I will not part with him. How long within this wood intend you stay? Perchance till after Theseus's wedding day. If you will patiently dance in our round and see our moonlight revels, go with us. If not, shun me, and I will spare your haunts. Give me that boy, and I will go with thee. Not for thy fairy kingdom. Fairies away, we shall chide downright if I longer stay. Exit Titania with her train. Well, go thy way. Thou shalt not from this grove till I torment thee for this injury. My gentle Puck, come hither. Thou rememberest since once I sat upon a promontory, and heard a mermaid on a dolphin's back uttering such dulcet and harmonious breath that the rude sea grew civil at her song, and certain stars shot madly from their spheres to hear the sea-maid's music. I remember. That very time I saw, but thou couldst not, flying between the cold moon and the earth, Cupid all armed, a certain aim he took at a fair vestal throned by the west, and loosed his love-shaft smartly from his bow, as it should pierce a hundred thousand hearts. But I might see young Cupid's fiery shaft, quenched in the chaste beams of the watery moon. And the imperial votaress passed on, in maiden meditation, fancy-free. Yet marked I where the bolt of Cupid fell. It fell upon a little western flower, before milk-white, now purple with love's wound. And maidens call it love in idleness. Fetch me that flower, the herb I showed thee once, the juice of it on sleeping eyelids laid, will make, or man, or woman, madly dote upon the next live creature that it sees. Fetch me this herb, and be thou here again, ere the leviathan can swim a league. I'll put a girdle round about the earth in forty minutes. Exit Puck. Having once this juice, I'll watch Titania when she is asleep, and drop the liquor of it in her eyes. The next thing then she waking looks upon, be it on lion, bear, or wolf, or bull, on meddling monkey, or on busy ape, she shall pursue it 
with a soul of love and ere i take this charm from off her sight as i can take it with another herb i'll make her render up her page to me but who comes here i am invisible and i will overhear their conference enter demetrius helena following him i love thee not therefore pursue me not where is lysander and fair hermia the one i'll slay the other slayeth me thou toldst me they were stolen into this wood and here am i and woed within this wood because i cannot meet with hermia hence get thee gone and follow me no more you draw me you hard-hearted adamant but yet you draw not iron for my heart is true as steel leave you your power to draw and i shall have no power to follow you do i entice you do i speak you fair or rather do i not in plainest truth tell you i do not nor i cannot love you and even for that i do love you the more i am your spaniel and demetrius the more you beat me i will fawn on you use me but as your spaniel spurn me strike me neglect me lose me only give me leave unworthy as i am to follow you what worse a place can i beg in your love and yet a place of high respect with me than to be used as your use your dog tempt not too much the hatred of my spirit for i am sick when i do look on thee and i am sick when i look not on you you do impeach your modesty too much to leave the city and commit yourself into the hands of one that loves you not to trust the opportunity of night and the ill counsel of a desert place with the rich worth of your virginity your virtue is my privilege for that it is not night when i do see your face therefore i think i am not in the night nor doth this wood lack worlds of company for you in my respect are all the world then how can it be said i am alone when all the world is here to look on me i'll run from thee and hide me in the brakes and leave thee to the mercy of the wild beasts the wildest hath not such a heart as you run when you will the story shall be changed apollo flies and daphne holds the chase the dove pursues the griffin the mild hind makes speed to catch the tiger bootless speed when cowardice pursues and valour flies i will not stay thy questions let me go or if thou follow me do not believe but i shall do thee mischief in the wood ay in the temple in the town the field you do me mischief fie demetrius your wrongs do set a scandal on my sex we cannot fight for love as men may do we should be wooed and we're not made to woo i'll follow thee and make a heaven of hell to die upon the hand i love so well exeunt demetrius and helena fare thee well nymph ere he do leave this grove thou shalt fly him and he shall seek thy love re-enter puck hast thou the flower there welcome wanderer ay there it is i pray thee give it me i know a bank where on the wild thyme blows where oxlips and the nodding violet grows quite over-canopied with luscious woodbine with sweet musk-roses and with eglantine there sleeps titania some time of the night lulled in these flowers with dances and delight 
and there the snake throws her enamelled skin weed wide enough to wrap a fairy in and with the juice of this i'll streak her eyes and make her full of hateful fantasies take thou some of it and seek through this grove a sweet athenian lady is in love with a disdainful youth anoint his eyes but do it when the next thing he espies may be the lady thou shalt know the man by the athenian garments he hath on effected with some care that he may prove more fond on her than she upon her love and look thou meet me ere the first cock crow fear not my lord your servant shall do so exeunt scene two another part of the wood enter titania with her train come now a roundel and a fairy song then for the third part of a minute hence some to kill cankers in the musgrove's buds some war with rara mice for their leathern wings to make my small elves coats and some keep back the clamorous owl that nightly hoots and wonders at our quaint spirits oh sing me now asleep then to your offices and let me rest you spotted snakes with double tongue thorny hedgehogs be not seen newts and blind worms do no wrong come not near our fairy queen philomel with melody singing our sweet lullaby 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 never harm nor spell nor charm come my lovely lady nigh so good night with lullaby weaving spiders come not here hence you long-legged spinners hence beetles black approach not near worm nor snail do no offence philomel with melody singing our sweet lullaby 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 never harm nor spell nor charm come my lovely lady nigh so good night with lullaby hence away now all is well one aloof stand sentinel exeunt fairies titania sleeps enter oberon squeezes the flower on titania's eyelids what thou seest when thou dost wake do it for thy true love take love and languish for his sake be it ounce or cat or bear pard or boar with bristled hair in thy eye that shall appear when thou wakest it is thy dear wake when some vile thing is near exit enter lysander and hermia fair love you faint with wandering in the wood and to speak troth i have forgot our way will rest us hermia if you think it good and tarry for the comfort of the day be it so lysander find you out a bed for i upon this bank will rest my head one turf shall serve as pillow for us both one heart one bed two bosoms and one troth nay good lysander for my sake my dear lie farther off yet do not lie so near oh take the sense sweet of my innocence love takes the meaning in love's conference 
I mean that my heart unto yours is knit, so that but one heart we can make of it. Two bosoms interchained with an oath, so then two bosoms and a single troth. Then by your side no bedroom me deny, for lying so, Hermia, I do not lie. Lysander riddles very prettily. Now much beshrew my manners and my pride if Hermia meant to say Lysander lied. But gentle friend, for love and courtesy lie further off. In human modesty such separation, as may well be said, becomes a virtuous bachelor and a maid. So far be distant. And good night, sweet friend. Thy love ne'er alter till thy sweet life end. Amen, amen, to that fair prayer, say I, and then end life when I end loyalty. Here is my bed. Sleep give thee all his rest. With half that wish the wisher's eyes be pressed. They sleep. Enter Puck. Through the forest have I gone, but Athenian found I none, on whose eyes I might approve this flower's force and stirring love. Night in silence, who is here? Weeds of Athens he doth wear. This is he, my master said, despised the Athenian maid and hear the maiden sleeping sound on the dank and dirty ground pretty soul she durst not lie near this lack love this kill courtesy churl upon thy eyes i throw all the power this charm doth owe when thou wakest let love forbid sleep his seat on thy eyelid so awake when i am gone for i must now to oberon exit enter demetrius and helena running stay thou thou kill me sweet demetrius i charge thee hence and do not haunt me thus oh wilt thou darkling leave me do not so stay on thy peril i alone will go exit demetrius oh i am out of breath in this fond chase the more my prayer the lesser is my grace happy is hermia wheresoe'er she lies for she hath blessed an attractive eyes how came her eyes so bright not with salt tears if so my eyes are oftener washed than hers no no i am as ugly as a bear for beasts that meet me run away for fair therefore no marvel though demetrius do as a monster fly my presence thus what wicked and dissembling glass of mine made me compare with Hermes' spheridine. But who is here? Lysander, on the ground! Dead or asleep? I see no blood, no wound. Lysander, if you live, good sir, awake! Lysander, waking. And run through fire I will for thy sweet sake. Transparent Helena, nature shows art that through thy bosom makes me see thy heart where is demetrius oh how fit a word is that vile name to perish on my sword do not say so lysander say not so what though he love your hermia lord what though yet hermia still loves you then be content 
content with Hermia? No, I do repent the tedious minutes I with her have spent. Not Hermia, but Helena I love, who will not change a raven for a dove. The will of man is by his reason swayed, and reason says you are the worthier maid. Things growing are not ripe until their season, so I, being young, till now ripe not to reason, and touching now the point of human skill, reason becomes the marshal to my will, and leads me to your eyes, where I overlook love's stories, written in love's richest book. Wherefore was I to this keen mockery born, when at your hands did I deserve this scorn? Is not enough, is not enough, young man, that I did never, no, nor never can, deserve a sweet look from Demetrius' eye? But you must flout my insufficiency? Good troth, you do me wrong, good sooth you do, in such disdainful manner me to woo. But fare you well, performance I must confess. I thought you, Lord, of more true gentleness, or that a lady of one man refused, should of another therefore be abused. Exit. She sees not Hermia. Hermia, sleep thou there, and never mayst thou come Lysander near, for as a surfeit of the sweetest things, the deepest loathing to the stomach brings, or, as the heresies that men do leave, are hated most of those that did deceive. So thou, my surfeit and my heresy, of all be hated, but the most of me, and all my powers, address your love and might to honour Helen, and to be her knight. Exit. Hermia, starting. Ah, help me, Lysander, help me! Do thy best to pluck this crawling serpent from my breast. I mean for pity. What a dream was here. Lysander, look how I do quake with fear. Methought a serpent ate my heart away, and you sat smiling at his cruel prey. Lysander? What? Removed? Lysander! Lord! What, out of hearing? Gone? No sound, no word? Alack, where are you? Speaking if you hear. Speak of all loves. I swoon almost with fear. No. Then I will perceive you are not nigh. Either death or you I'll find immediately. Exit. End of Act Two. Act Three of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One, The Wood. The Queen of Fairies lying asleep. Enter Quince, Snug, Bottom, Flute, Snout, and Starveling. Are we all met? 
Pat, Pat, and here's a marvelous convenient place for our rehearsal. This green plot shall be our stage, this hawthorn break our tiring house, and we will do it in action as we will do it before the Duke. Peter Quince. What sayest thou, Bullybottom? There are things in this comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe that will never please. First, Pyramus must draw a sword to kill himself, which the ladies cannot abide. How answer you that? By Larkin, a perilous fear. I believe we must leave the killing out when all is done. Not a whit. I have a device to make all well. Write me a prologue, and let the prologue seem to say we will do no harm with our swords, and that Pyramus is not killed indeed, and for the more better assurance tell them that I, Pyramus, am not Pyramus, but Bottom the Weaver. This will put them out of fear. Well, we will have such a prologue, and it shall be written in eight and six. No, make it two more. Let it be written in eight and eight. Will not the ladies be afeard of a lion? I fear it, I promise you. Masters, you ought to consider with yourselves. To bring in, God shield us, a lion among ladies is a most dreadful thing. For there is not a more fearful wild fowl than your lion living, and we ought to look to it. Therefore another prologue must tell he is not a lion. Nay, you must name his name, and half his face must be seen through the lion's neck, and he himself must speak through, saying thus, or to the same defect, Ladies, er, fair ladies, I would wish you or I would request you, or I would entreat you not to fear, not to tremble, my life for yours. If you think I come hither as a lion, it were pity of my life. No, I am no such thing. I am a man, as other men are. And there, indeed, let him name his name, and tell them plainly he is snug the joiner. Well, it shall be so. But there is two hard things, that is, to bring the moonlight into a chamber, for you know Pyramus and Thisbe meet by moonlight. Doth the moon shine that night we play our play? A calendar, a calendar. Look in the almanac. Find out moonshine, find out moonshine. Yes, it doth shine that night. Why, then you may leave a casement in the great chamber window where we play open, and the moon may shine in at the casement. Aye, or else one must come in with a bush of thorns and a lantern and say he comes to disfigure or to present the person of moonshine. Then there is another thing. We must have a wall in the great chamber, for Pyramus and Thisbe, says the story, did talk through the chink of a wall. You can never bring in a wall. What say you, Bottom? Some man or other must present wall, and let him have some plaster or some loam or some rough cast about him to signify wall, and let him hold his fingers thus, and through that cranny shall Pyramus and Thisbe whisper. If that may be, then all is well. Come, sit down, every mother's son, and rehearse your parts. Pyramus, you begin. When you have spoken your speech, enter into that break, and so every one according to his cue. Enter Puck behind. What hempen homespuns have we swaggering here so near the cradle of the fairy queen? What, a play toward? I'll be an auditor, an actor too, perhaps, if I see cause. Speak, Pyramus. Thisbe, stand forth. Thisbe, 
the flowers of odious savors sweet. Odors, odors. Odors, savors sweet. So hath thy breath, my dearest Thisbe dear. But hark, a voice. Stay thou but here a while, and by and by I will to thee appear. Exit. A stranger Pyramus than e'er played here. Exit. Must I speak now? Ay, Mary, must you, for you must understand he goes but to see a noise that he heard, and is to come again. Most radiant Pyramus, most lily-white of hue, of colour like the red rose on triumphant briar, most brisky juvenile, and eke most lovely Jew, as true as truest horse that would never tire. I'll meet thee, Pyramus, at Ninny's tomb. Ninus tomb, man. Why, you must not speak that yet. That you answer to Pyramus. You speak all your part at once, cues and all. Pyramus, enter. Your cue is past. It is never tire. Oh. As true as truest horse that would never tire. Re-enter Puck, and Bottom with an ass's head. If I were fair, Thisbe, I were only thine. Oh, monstrous. Oh, strange. We are haunted. Pray, masters, fly, masters, help. Exeunt clowns. I'll follow you. I'll lead you about around. Through bog, through bush, through brake, through briar. Sometime a horse I'll be, sometime a hound. A hog, a headless bear, sometime a fire. And neigh and bark and grunt and roar and burn, Like horse, hound, hog, bear, fire, at every turn. Exit. Why do they run away? This is a knavery of them to make me afeard. Re-enter Snout. O oh, Bottom, thou art changed. What do I see on thee? What do you see? You see an ass-head of your own, do you? Re-enter Quince. Bless thee, Bottom, bless thee. Thou art translated. Exit. I see their knavery. This is to make an ass of me, to fright me if they could. But I will not stir from this place. Do what they can. I will walk up and down here, and I will sing, that they shall hear I am not afraid. Beuzel cock, so black of you, with orange tawny bill, the throstle with his note so true, the wren with little quill. Titania waking. Mm, what angel wakes me from my flowery bed? The finch, the sparrow, and the lark. The plain song cuckoo gray, whose note full many a man doth mark, and dares not answer nay. For indeed, who would set his wit to so foolish a bird? Who would give a bird the lie, though he cry cuckoo never so? I pray thee, gentle mortal, sing again. Mine ear is much enamoured of thy note. So is mine eye enthralled to thy shape. 
and thy fair virtue's force perforce doth move me on the first view to say to swear i love thee methinks mistress you should have little reason for that and yet to say the truth reason and love keep little company together nowadays the more the pity that some honest neighbours will not make them friends nay i can gleek upon occasion <laughs> thou art as wise as thou art beautiful not so neither but if i had wit enough to get out of this wood i have enough to serve my own turn <sniffs> out of this wood do not desire to go thou shalt remain here whether thou wilt or no i am a spirit of no common rate the summer still doth tend upon my state and i do love thee therefore go with me i'll give thee fairies to attend on thee and they shall fetch thee jewels from the deep and sing while thou on pressed flowers dost sleep and i will purge thy mortal grossness so that thou shalt like an airy spirit go peace blossom cobweb moth and mustard seed enter four fairies ready and i and i where shall we go be kind and courteous to this gentleman hop in his walks and gamble in his eyes feed him with apricots and dewberries with purple grapes green figs and mulberries the honey-bags steal from the humble-bees and for night-tapers crop their waxen thighs and light them at the fiery glow-worm's eyes to have my love to bed and to arise and pluck the wings from painted butterflies to fan the moonbeams from his sleeping eyes nod to him elves and do him courtesies hail mortal hail 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 i cry your worship's mercy heartily i beseech your worship's name cobweb i shall desire you of more acquaintance good master cobweb if i cut my finger i shall make bold with you your name honest gentleman peas blossom i pray you commend me to mistress squash your mother and to master peascod your father good master peas blossom i shall desire you of more acquaintance too your name i beseech you sir mustard seed good master mustard seed i know your patience well that same cowardly giant-like ox-beef hath devoured many a gentleman of your house i promise you your kindred hath made my eyes water ere now i desire you of more acquaintance good master mustard-seed come wait upon him lead him to my bower the moon methinks looks with a watery eye and when she weeps weeps every little flower lamenting some enforced chastity tie up my lover's tongue bring him silently exeunt scene two another part of the wood enter oberon 
I wonder if Titania be awaked. Then what it is that next came in her eye, which she must dote on in extremity. Enter Puck. Here comes my messenger. How now, mad spirit? What night rule now about this haunted grove? My mistress with a monster is in love. Near to her close and consecrated bower, while she was in her dull and sleeping hour, a crew of patches, rude mechanicals, that work for bread upon Athenian stalls, were met together to rehearse a play, intended for great Theseus' nuptial day. The shallowest thick skin of that barren sort, who Pyramus presented in their sport, forsook his scene and entered in a break, when I did him at this advantage take. An ass's nowl I fixed on his head. Anon his thisbe must be answered, And forth my mimic comes, When they him spy, As wild geese that the creeping fowler eye, Or russet-pated chuffs, many in sort, Rising and carring at the gun's report, Sever themselves and madly sweep the sky, So at his sight away his fellows fly. And at our stamp here, o'er and o'er one falls he murder cries and help from athens calls their sense thus weak lost with their fears thus strong made senseless things begin to do them wrong for briars and thorns at their apparel snatch some sleeves some hats from yielders all things catch i led them on in this distracted fear and left sweet pyramus translated there when in that moment so it came to pass Titania waked, and straightway loved an ass. This falls out better than I could devise. But hast thou yet latched the Athenian's eyes with the love-juice, as I bid thee do? I took him sleeping. That is finished, too. And the Athenian woman by his side. That when he waked, of force she must be eyed. Enter Demetrius and Hermia. Stand close. This is the same Athenian. This is the woman, but not this the man. Oh, why rebuke you, him that loves you so? Lay breath so bitter on your bitter foe. Now I but chide, but I should use thee worse, For thou, I fear, hast given me cause to curse. If thou hast slain Lysander in his sleep, Being o'er shoes in blood, plunge in the deep, And kill me too. The sun was not so true unto the day as he to me. Would he have stolen away from sleeping Hermia? I'll believe as soon, this whole earth may be bored, and that the moon may through the centre creep, and so displease her brother's noontide with the Antipodes. It cannot be, but thou hast murdered him. So should a murderer look, so dead, so grim. So should the murdered look, and so should I, pierced through the heart with your stern cruelty. Yet you, the murderer, Look as bright, as clear as yonder Venus in her glimmering sphere. What's this to my Lysander? Where is he? Oh, good Demetrius, wilt thou give him me? I had rather give his carcass to my hounds. Out, dog, out, cur! Thou drivest me past the bounds of maiden's patience. Hast thou slain him then? Henceforth be never numbered among men. Oh, once! Tell true, tell true, even for my sake. Durst thou have looked upon him being awake, and hast thou killed him sleeping? Oh, brave touch! Could not a worm, an adder do so much? 
an adder did it for with doubler tongue than thine thou serpent never adder stung you spend your passion on a misprized mood i am not guilty of lysander's blood nor is he dead for aught that i can tell i pray thee tell me then that he is well and if i could what should i get therefore a privilege never to see me more and from thy hated presence part i so see me no more whether he be dead or no exit there is no following her in this fierce vein here therefore for a while i will remain so sorrow's heaviness doth heavier grow for debt that bankrupt sleep doth sorrow owe which now in some slight measure it will pay if for his tender here i make some stay lies down what hast thou done thou hast mistaken quite and leave the love juice on some true love's sight of thy misprision must perforce ensue some true love turn and not a false turn true then fate or rules that one man holding troth a million fail confounding oath on oath about the woods go swifter than the wind and helena of athens look thou find o oh, fancy six years and pale of cheer with sighs of love that cost the fresh blood dear by some illusion see thou bring her here i'll charm his eyes against she do appear i go i go look how i go swifter than arrow from the tartar's bow exit flower of this purple dye hit with cupid's archery sink in apple of his eye when his love he doth espy let her shine as gloriously as the venus of the sky when thou wak'st if she be by beg of her for remedy re-enter puck captain of our fairy band helena is here at hand and the youth mistook by me pleading for a lover's fee shall we their fond pageant see lord what fools these mortals be stand aside the noise they make will cause demetrius to awake then will two at once woo one that must needs be sport alone and those things do best please me that befall preposterously enter lysander and helena why should you think that i would woo in scorn scorn and derision never come in tears look when i vow I weep, and vows so born, in their nativity all truth appears. How can these things in me seem scorn to you, bearing the badge of faith to prove them true? You do advance your cunning more and more, when truth kills truth, O devilish holy fray. These vows are Hermes, will you give her o'er? Weigh oath with oath, and you will nothing weigh your vows to her and me put in two scales will even weigh and both as slight as tales i had no judgment when to her i swore nor none in my mind now you give her over demetrius loves her and he loves not you demetrius awaking oh helen goddess nymph perfect divine to what my love shall i compare thine eyne crystal is muddy oh how ripe in show thy lips those kissing cherries tempting grow that pure congealed white high taurus snow fanned with the eastern wind turns to a crow when thou holdst up thy hand 
Oh, let me kiss this princess of pure white, this seal of bliss. Oh, spite, oh, hell, I see you all are bent, to set against me for your merriment. If you were civil and knew courtesy, you would not do to me thus much injury. Can you not hate me as I know you do, but you must join in souls to mock me too? If you were men, as men you are in show, you would not use a gentle lady so, to vow and swear and superpraise my parts, when I am sure you hate me with your hearts. You both are rivals and love Hermia, and now both rivals to mock Helena. A trim exploit, a manly enterprise, to conjure tears up in a poor maid's eyes, with your derision, none of noble thought, would so offend a virgin and extort, a poor soul's patient, all to make you sport. You are unkind, Demetrius, be not so, for you love Hermia, this you know I know, and here, with all good will, with all my heart, in Hermia's love I yield you up my part, and yours of Helena to me bequeath, whom I do love and will do till my death. Never did Mocus waste more idle breath. Lysander, keep thy Hermia. I will none. If e'er I loved her, all that love is gone. My heart to her but as guest-wise sojourned, and now to Helen is it home returned, there to remain. Helen, it is not so. Disparage not the faith thou dost not know, lest to thy peril thou, Abbot dear, Look where thy love comes. Yonder is thy dear. Enter Hermia. Dark night that from the eye his function takes, the ear more quick of apprehension makes. Wherein it doth impair the seeing sense, it pays the hearing double recompense. Thou art not by mine eye, Lysander, found. Mine ear, I thank it, brought me to thy sound. But why unkindly didst thou leave me so? Why should he stay, whom love doth press to go? What love could press Lysander from my side? Lysander's love, that would not let him bide. Fair Helena, who more engilds the night than all yon fiery o's and eyes of light. Why seek'st thou me? Could not this make thee know the hate I bear thee made me leave thee so? You speak not as you think. It cannot be. Lo, she is one of this confederacy. Now I perceive they have conjoined all three to fashion this false sport in spite of me. Injurious Hermia, most ungrateful maid, have you conspired, have you with these contrived to bait me with this foul derision? Is all the counsel that we two have shared, the sisters' vows, the hours that we have spent? when we have chid the hasty-footed time for parting us oh is all forgot all school-days friendship childhood innocence we hermia like two artificial gods have with our needles created both one flower bought on one sampler sitting on one cushion both warbling of one soul both in one key as if your hands our sides voices and minds have been incorporate, so we grew together, like two a double cherry seemed parted, but yet a union in partition. Two lovely berries moulded on one stem, 
so with two seeming bodies but one heart two of the first like coats in heraldry do but to one and crowned with one crest and will you rent our ancient love asunder to join with men in scorning your poor friend it is not friendly tis not maidenly our sex as well as i may chide you for it though i alone do feel the injury i am amazed at your passionate words i scorn you not it seems that you scorn me have you not set lucinda as in scorn to follow me and praise my eyes and face and made your other love demetrius who even but now did spurn me with his foot to call me goddess nymph divine and rare precious celestial wherefore speaks he this to her he hates and wherefore doth lysander deny your love so rich within his soul and tender me forsooth affection but by your setting on by your consent what thou i be not so in grace as you so hung upon with love so fortunate but miserable most to love unloved this you should pity rather than despise i understand not what you mean by this i do persevere counterfeit sad looks make mouths upon me when i turn my back wink each at other hold the sweet jest up this sport well carried shall be chronicled if you have any pity grace or manners you would not make me such an argument but fare ye well tis partly my own fault which death or absence soon shall remedy stay gentle helena hear my excuse my love my life my soul fair helena oh excellent sweet do not scorn her so if she cannot entreat i can compel thou canst compel no more than she entreat thy threats have no more strength than her weak prayers helen i love thee by my life i do i swear by that which i will lose for thee to prove him false that says i love thee not i say i love thee more than he can do if thou say so withdraw and prove it too quick come lysander where to tends all this away you ethiope no no sir he will seem to break loose take on as you would follow but yet come not you are a tame man go hang off thou cat thou burr vile thing let loose or i will shake thee from me like a serpent why are you grown so rude what changes this sweet love thy love out tawny tartar out out loathed medicine hated potion hence do you not jest yes soothe and so do you demetrius i will keep my word with thee i would i had your bond for i perceive a weak bond holds you i'll not trust your word what should i hurt her strike her kill her dead although i hate her i'll not harm her so what can you do me greater harm than hate hate me wherefore oh me what news my love am not i hermia are not you lysander i'm as fair now as i was erewhile
since night you loved me yet since night you left me why then you left me oh the gods forbid in earnest shall i say ay by my life and never did desire to see thee more therefore be out of hope of question doubt be certain nothing truer tis no jest that i do hate thee and love helena oh me you juggler you canker blossom you thief of love what have you come by night and stolen my love's heart from him finey faith have you no modesty no maiden shame no touch of bashfulness what will you tear impatient answers from my gentle tongue fie fie you counterfeit you puppet you puppet why so ay that way goes the game now i perceive that she hath made compare between our statures she hath urged her height and with her personage her tall personage her height forsooth she hath prevailed with him and are you grown so high in his esteem because i am so dwarfish and so low how low am i thou painted maypole speak how low am i i am not yet so low but that my nails can reach unto thine eyes i pray you though you mock me gentlemen let her not hurt me i was never cursed i have no gift at all in shrewishness I am a right maid for my cowardice. Let her not strike me. You perhaps may think, because she is something lower than myself, that I can match her. Lower? Hark again! Good Hermia, do not be so bitter with me. I evermore did love you, Hermia. Did ever keep your counsel, never wronged you, save that, in love unto Demetrius, I told him of your stealth unto this wood. He followed you, for love I followed him. But he hath chid me hence, and threatened me, To strike me, spurn me, nay, to kill me too. And now so you will let me quite go, To Athens will I bear my folly back, And follow you no farther, let me go. You see how simple and how fond I am. Why get you gone? Who is that hinders you? A foolish heart that I leave here behind. What? Whip Lysander? with demetrius be not afraid she shall not harm thee helena no sir she shall not though you take her part oh when she's angry she is keen and shrewd she was a vixen when she went to school and though she be but little she is fierce little again nothing but low and little why will you suffer her to flaunt me thus let me come to her get you gone you dwarf you minimus of hindering not grass made you bead you acorn you are too officious in her behalf that scorns your services let her alone speak not of helena take not her part for if thou dost intend never so little show of love to her thou shalt abide it now she holds me not now follow if thou durst to try who's right of thine or mine is most in helena follow nay i'll go with thee cheek by jowl exeunt lysander and demetrius you mistress 
All this coil is long of you. Nay, go not back. I will not trust you, I, no longer stay in your cursed company. Your hands than mine are quicker for a fray. My legs are longer, though, to run away. Exit. I am amazed and know not what to say. Exit, pursuing Helena. This is thy negligence. Still thou mistakest, or else commits thy knaveries wilfully. Believe me, King of Shadows, I mistook. Did not you tell me I should know the man by the Athenian garment he had on? And so far blameless proves my enterprise that I have anointed an Athenian's eyes. And so far am I glad it so did sort, as this their jangling I esteem a sport. Thou seest these lovers seek a place to fight. Hi, therefore, Robin, overcast the night. The starry welkin cover thou anon with drooping fog as black as Acheron. And leave these testy rivals so astray as one come not within another's way, like to Lysander sometime frame thy tongue, then stir Demetrius up with bitter wrong, and sometime rail thou like Demetrius, and from each other look thou lead them thus, till o'er their brows death counterfeiting sleep with leaden legs and batty wings doth creep, then crush this herb into Lysander's eye whose liquor hath this virtuous property to take from thence all error with his might and make his eyeballs roll with wonted sight when they next wake all this derision shall seem a dream and fruitless vision and back to athens shall the lovers wend with league whose date till death shall never end whilst i in this affair do thee employ i'll to my queen and beg her indian boy and then i will her charmed eye release from monsters view and all things shall be peace my fairy lord this must be done with haste for night's swift dragons cut the clouds full fast and yonder shines aurora's harbinger at whose approach ghosts wandering here and there troop home to churchyards damned spirits all that in crossways and floods have burial all ready to their wormy beds are gone for fear lest day should look their shames upon they wilfully exile themselves from light, And must for I consort with black-browed night. But we are spirits of another sort. I with the morning's love have oft made sport, And like a forester the groves may tread, Even till the eastern gate, all fiery red, Opening on Neptune with fair blessed beams, Turns into yellow gold his salt-green streams. But notwithstanding, haste, make no delay, we may effect this business yet ere day. Exit Oberon. Up and down, up and down. I will lead them up and down. I am feared in field and town. Goblin, lead them up and down. Here comes one. Enter Lysander. Where art thou, proud Demetrius? Speak thou now. Here, villain, drawn and ready, where art thou? <laughs> I will be with thee straight. Follow me, then, to plainer ground. <laughs> Exit Lysander as following the voice. Enter Demetrius. Lysander, speak again. Thou runaway, thou coward, art thou fled? Speak, in some bush. Where dost thou hide thy head? Thou coward, art thou bragging to the stars? 
telling the bushes that thou lookest for wars and wilt not come come recreant come thou child i'll whip thee with a rod he is defiled that draws a sword on thee yea art thou there follow my voice will try no manhood here exeunt re-enter lysander he goes before me and still dares me on when i come where he calls then he is gone the villain is much lighter healed than i i followed fast but faster he did fly that fallen am i in dark uneven way and here will rest me lies down come thou gentle day for if but once thou show me thy grey light i'll find demetrius and revenge this spite sleeps re-enter puck and demetrius ho 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 coward why comest thou not <laughs> abide me if thou darest for well i wot thou runnest before me shifting every place thou darest not stand nor look me in the face where art thou come hither i am here nay then thou mockest me thou shalt buy this dear if ever i thy face by daylight see now go thy way faintness constraineth me to measure out my length on this cold bed by day's approach look to be visited lies down and sleeps enter helena o oh, very night o oh, long and tedious night abate thy hours shine comforts from the east that i may back to athens by daylight from these that my poor company detest and sleep that sometimes shuts up sorrow's eye steal me awhile from mine own company sleeps yet but three come one more two of both kinds makes up four here she comes cursed and sad cupid is a knavish lad thus to make poor females mad enter hermia never so weary never so in woe bedabbled with the dew and torn with briars i can no further crawl no further go my legs can keep no pace with my desires here will i rest me till the break of day heaven's shield lysander they mean a fray lies down on the ground sleep sound i'll apply to your eye gentle lover remedy squeezing the juice on lysander's eye when thou wakest thou takest true delight in the sight of thy former lady's eye and the country proverb known that every man should take his own in your waking shall be shown jack shall have jill not shall go ill the man shall have his mare again and all shall be well exit puck demetrius helena etc sleep end of act three Act 4 of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. 
This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene One The Wood. Enter Titania and Bottom. Peace Blossom, Cobweb, Moth, Mustard Seed, and other fairies attending. Oberon behind, unseen. Come, sit thee down upon this flowery bed, While I thy amiable cheeks do coy, And stick musk-roses in thy sleek smooth head, And kiss thy fair large ears, my gentle joy. Where's Peace Blossom? Ready. Scratch my head, Peace Blossom. Where's Monsieur Cobweb? Ready. Monsieur Cobweb, good Monsieur, get you your weapons in your hand, and kill me a red-hipped humblebee on the top of a thistle, and, good Monsieur, bring me the honey-bag. <laughs> Do not fret yourself too much in the action, Monsieur, and, good Monsieur, have a care the honey-bag break not. I would be loath to have you overflown with the honey-bag, Signor. Where's Monsieur Mustard Seed? Ready. Give me your knee, Monsieur Mustard Seed. Pray you, leave your curtsy, good Monsieur. What's your will? Nothing, good Monsieur, but to help Cavallero Cobweb to scratch. I must to the barber's, Monsieur, for methinks I am marvellous hairy about the face, and I am such a tender ass. If my hair do but tickle me, I must scratch. What, wilt thou hear some music, my sweet love? I have a reasonable good ear in music. Let us have the tongs and the bones. Or say, sweet love, what thou desirest to eat. Truly a peck of provender. I could munce your good dry oats. Methinks I have a great desire to a bottle of hay. Good hay, sweet hay, hath no fellow. I have a venturous fairy that shall seek the squirrel's hoard and fetch thee new nuts. I had rather have a handful or two of dried peas. But I pray you, let none of your people stir me. I have an exposition of sleep come upon me. Sleep thou, and I will wind thee in my arms. Fairies be gone, and be always away. So doth the woodbine, the sweet honeysuckle gently entwist. The female ivy so enrings the barky fingers of the elm. Oh, how I love thee, how I dote on thee. They sleep. Oberon advances. Enter Puck. Welcome, good Robin. Seest thou this sweet sight? Her dotage now I do begin to pity. For meeting her of late behind the wood, seeking sweet favours for this hateful fool, I did upbraid her and fall out with her, for she his hairy temples then had rounded with coronet of fresh and fragrant flowers, and that same dew which sometimes on the buds was wont to swell like round and orient pearls, stood now within the pretty flowerets' eyes, like tears that did their own disgrace bewail, 
when I had at my pleasure taunted her, and she in mild terms begged my patience, I then did ask of her her changeling child, which straight she gave me, and her fairy sent to bear him to my bower in fairyland. And now I have the boy, I will undo this hateful imperfection of her eyes. And gentle Puck, take this transformed scalp from off the head of this Athenian swain, that he, awaking when the other do, may all to Athens back again repair, and think no more of this night's accidents, but as the fierce vexation of a dream. But first I will release the fairy queen. Touching her eyes within herb. Be as thou wast wont to be, see as thou wast wont to see. Diane's bud or Cupid's flower hath such force and blessed power. Now, my Titania, wake you, my sweet queen. My Oberon, what visions have I seen? Methought I was enamoured of an ass. There lies your love. How came these things to pass? Oh, how mine eyes do loathe his visage now! Silence a while. Robin, take off this head. Titania, music call, and strike more dead than common sleep of all these five the sense. Music, ho! Music such as charmeth sleep. Now when thou wakest, with thine own fool's eyes peep. Sound music. Still music. Come, my queen, take hands with me, and rock the ground whereon these sleepers be. Now thou and I are new in amity, and will to-morrow night solemnly dance in Duke Theseus's house triumphantly, and bless it to all fair prosperity. There shall the pairs of faithful lovers be wedded with Theseus all in jollity. Fairy king, attend and mark, I do hear the morning lark. Then, my queen, in silence sad, trip we after night's shade. We the globe can compass soon, swifter than the wandering moon. Come, my lord, and in our flight, tell me how it came this night, that I sleeping here was found with these mortals on the ground. Exeunt. Horns sound within. Enter Theseus, Hippolyta. Aegeus and Train. Go, one of you, find out the forester, for now our observation is performed, and since we have the forward of the day, my love shall hear the music of my hounds. Uncouple in the western valley, go. Dispatch, I say, and find the forester. Exit an attendant. We will, fair queen, up to the mountain's top. And mark the musical confusion of hounds and echo in conjunction. I was with Hercules and Cadmus once, when in a wood of Crete they bade the bear with hounds of Sparta. Never did I hear such gallant chiding, for besides the groves, the skies, the fountains, every region near seemed all one mutual cry. I never heard so musical a discord such sweet thunder my hounds are bred out of the spartan kind so flued so sanded and their heads are hung with ears that sweep away the morning dew crook-kneed and dew-lapped like thessalian bulls slow in pursuit but matched in mouth like bells each under each 
a cry more tunable was never hollered to nor cheered with horn in crete in sparta nor in thessaly judge when you hear but soft what nymphs are these my lord this is my daughter here asleep and this lysander this demetrius is this helena old nedar's helena i wonder of their being here together no doubt they rose up early to observe the right of may and hearing our intent came here in grace of our solemnity but speak aegeus is this not the day that hermia should give answer of her choice it is my lord go bid the huntsmen wake them with their horns horns and shout within demetrius lysander hermia and helena awake and start up good morrow friends saint valentine is past begin these woodbirds but to couple now pardon my lord he and the rest kneel to theseus i pray you all stand up i know you two are rival enemies how comes this gentle concord in the world that hatred is so far from jealousy to sleep by hate and fear no enmity my lord i shall reply amazedly half sleep half waking but as yet i swear i cannot truly say how i came here but as i think for truly would i speak and now i do bethink me so it is i came with hermia hither our intent was to be gone from athens where we might be without the peril of the athenian law enough enough my lord you have enough i beg the law the law upon his head they would have stolen away they would demetrius thereby to have defeated you and me you of your wife and me of my consent of my consent that she should be your wife my lord fair helen told me of their stealth of this their purpose hither to this wood and i in fury hither followed them fair helena in fancy following me but my good lord i wot not by what power but by some power it is my love to hermia melted as the snow seems to me now as a remembrance of an idle god which in my childhood i did dote upon and all the faith the virtue of my heart the object and the pleasure of mine eye is only helena to her my lord was i betrothed ere i saw hermia but like a sickness did i loathe this food but as in health come to my natural taste now i do wish it love it long for it and will for evermore be true to it fair lovers you are fortunately met of this discourse we more will hear anon aegeus i will overbear your will for in the temple by and by with us these couples shall eternally be knit and for the morning now is something worn our purposed hunting shall be set aside away with us to athens three and three we'll hold a feast in great solemnity come hippolyta exeunt theseus hippolyta aegeus and train these things seem small and undistinguishable like far-off mountains turned into clouds methinks i see these things with parted eye when every thing seems double so methinks 
and I have found Demetrius like a jewel, mine own, and not my own. It seems to me that yet we sleep, we dream. Do not you think the duke was here, and bid us follow him? Yea, and my father. And Hippolyta. And he did bid us follow to the temple. Why, then we are awake. Let's follow him. And by the way, let us recount our dreams. Exeunt. As they go out, Bottom awakes. <sighs> when my cue comes, call me and I will answer. My next is most fair Pyramus. Hey ho! Peter Quince! Flute the bellows mender? Snout the tinker! Starveling! God's my life! Stolen hence and left me asleep? I have had a most rare vision. I have had a dream. Past the wit of man to say what dream it was. Man is but an ass if he go about to expound this dream. Methought I was... There is no man can tell what. Methought I was... And methought I had... But a man is but a patched fool if he will offer to say what methought I had. The eye of man hath not heard, the ear of man hath not seen, man's hand is not able to taste, his tongue to conceive, nor his heart to report what my dream was. I will get Peter Quince to write a ballad of this dream. It shall be called Bottom's Dream, because it hath no bottom, and I will sing it in the latter end of a play, before the Duke, peradventure, to make it the more gracious, I shall sing it at her death. Exit. Scene two. Athens. A room in Quince's house. Enter Quince, Flute, Snout, and Starveling. Have you sent to Bottom's house? Is he come home yet? He cannot be heard of. Out of doubt, he is transported. If he come not, then the play is marred. It goes not forward, doth it? It is not possible. You have not a man in all Athens able to discharge Pyramus but he. No. He hath simply the best wit of any handicraft man in Athens. Yea, and the best person too. And he is a very paramour for a sweet voice. You must say paragon. A paramour is, God bless us, a thing of naught. Enter Snug. Masters, the Duke is coming from the temple, and there is two or three lords and ladies more married. If our sport had gone forward, we had all been made then. O oh, sweet bully bottom! Thus hath he lost sixpence a day during his life. He could not have scaped sixpence a day. And the Duke had not given him sixpence a day for playing Pyramus, I'll be hanged. He would have deserved it. Sixpence a day in Pyramus, or nothing. Enter Bottom. Where are these lads? Where are these hearts? Bottom! Oh, most courageous day! Oh, most happy hour! Masters, I am to discourse wonders, but ask me not what, for if I tell you I am not a true Athenian, I will tell you everything. Right as it fell out. 
Let us hear, sweet bottom. Not a word of me. All that I will tell you is that the duke hath dined. Get your apparel together, good strings to your beards, new ribbons to your pumps. Meet presently at the palace. Every man look over his part, for the short and the long is, our play is preferred. In any case, let Thisbe have clean linen, and let not him that plays the lion pare his nails, for they shall hang out for the lion's claws. And most dear actors, eat no onions nor garlic, for we are to utter sweet breath, and I do not doubt but to hear them say it is a sweet comedy. No more words. Away! Go! Away! Exeunt. End of Act Four. Act Five of A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One, Athens, an apartment in the palace of Theseus. Enter Theseus, Hippolyta, Philostrate, lords and attendants. Tis strange, my Theseus, that these lovers speak of. More strange than true, I never may believe these antique fables, nor these fairy toys. Lovers and madmen have such seething brains, such shaping fantasies, that apprehend more than cool reason ever comprehends. The lunatic, the lover, and the poet are of imagination all compact. One sees more devils than vast held can hold. That is the madman. The lover, all as frantic, sees Helen's beauty in a brow of Egypt. The poet's eye, in a fine frenzy rolling, doth glance from heaven to earth, from earth to heaven, and as imagination bodies forth the forms of things unknown, the poet's pen turns them to shapes, and gives to airy nothing a local habitation and a name. Such tricks hath strong imagination, that, if it would but apprehend some joy, it comprehends some bringer of that joy or in the night imagining some fear how easy is a bush supposed a bear but all the story of the night told over and all their minds transfigured so together more witnesseth than fancy's images and grows to something of great constancy but howsoever strange and admirable enter lysander demetrius hermia and helena here come the lovers, full of joy and mirth. Joy, gentle friends, joy and fresh days of love accompany your hearts. More than to us, wait in your royal walks, your board, your bed. Come now, what masks, what dancers shall we have to wear away this long age of three hours between our after-supper and bedtime? Where is our usual manager of mirth? What revels are in hand? Is there no play to ease the anguish of a torturing hour? Call Philostrate. Here, mighty Theseus. Say, what abridgment have you for this evening? What mask? What music? How shall we beguile the lazy time, if not with some delight? There is a brief how many sports are ripe. Make choice of which your highness will see first. Giving a paper. 
Theseus reads the battle with the centaurs to be sung by an Athenian eunuch to the harp. Will none of that? That have I told my love in glory of my kinsman Hercules. The riot of the tipsy bacchanals tearing the Thracian singer in their rage. That is an old device, and it was played when I from Thebes came last a conqueror. The thrice three muses mourning for the death of learning, late deceased in beggary. That is some satire, keen and critical, not sorting with a nuptial ceremony. A tedious brief scene of young Pyramus and his love Thisbe, very tragical mirth. Merry and tragical, tedious and brief, that is hot ice and wondrous strange snow. How shall we find the concord of this discord? A play there is, my lord, some ten words long, which is as brief as I have known a play. But by ten words, my lord, it is too long, which makes it tedious, for in all the play there is not one word apt, one player fitted, and tragical, my noble lord, it is. For Pyramus therein doth kill himself, which when I saw rehearsed, I must confess, made mine eyes water, but more merry tears, the passion of loud laughter never shed. What are they that do play it? hard-handed men that work in athens here which never laboured in their minds till now and now have toiled their unbreathed memories with this same play against your nuptial and we will hear it no my noble lord it is not for you i have heard it over and it is nothing nothing in the world unless you can find sport in their intents extremely stretched and conned with cruel pain to do you service i will hear that play for never anything can be amiss when simpleness and duty tender it. Go, bring them in, and take your places, ladies. Exit Philostrate. I love not to see wretchedness o'ercharged, and duty in his service perishing. Why, gentle sweet, you shall see no such thing. He says they can do nothing in this kind. The kind are we, to give them thanks for nothing. Our sport shall be to take what they mistake. And what poor duty cannot do, noble respect takes it in might, not merit. Where I have come, great clerks have purposed to greet me with premeditated welcomes. Where I have seen them shiver and look pale, make periods in the midst of sentences, throttle their practised accent in their fears, and in conclusion dumbly have broke off, not paying me a welcome. Trust me, sweet, out of this silence yet I picked a welcome and in the modesty of fearful duty i read as much as from the rattling tongue of saucy and audacious eloquence love therefore and tongue-tied simplicity at least speak most to my capacity enter philostrate so please your grace the prologue is addressed let him approach flourish of trumpets enter prologue if we offend it is with our good will that you should think we come not to offend, but with good will. To show our simple skill, that is the true beginning of our end, consider then, we come but in despite. We do not come as minding to content you, our true intent is. All for your delight, we are not here. That you should here repent you, the actors are at hand, and by their show, you shall know all that you are like to know. This fellow doth not stand upon points. 
He hath rid his prologue like a rough colt. He knows not the stop. A good moral, my lord, it is not enough to speak, but to speak true. Indeed, he hath played on this prologue like a child on a recorder, a sound but not in government. His speech was like a tangled chain, nothing impaired but all disordered. Who is next? Enter Pyramus and Thisbe, War, Moonshine, and Lion, as in dumb show. Gentles, perhaps you wonder at this show, but wonder on till truth make all things plain. This man is Pyramus, if you would know. This beauteous lady Thisbe is certain. This man, with lime and rough cast, doth present wall, that vile wall which did these lovers sunder. And through wall's chink, poor souls, they are content to whisper, at the which let no man wonder. This man, with lanthorn, dog, and bush of thorn, presenteth moonshine, for, if you will know, by moonshine did these lovers think no scorn to meet at Ninus' tomb, there, there to woo. This grisly beast, which by name Lionheight, the trusty Thisbe, coming first by night, did scare away, or rather did affright, and as she fled her mantle she did fall, which lion vile with bloody mouth did stain. Anon comes Pyramus, sweet youth and tall, and finds his trusty Thisbe's mantle slain, whereat with blade, with bloody, blameful blade, he bravely broached his boiling bloody breast. And Thisbe, tarrying in mulberry shade, his dagger drew and died. For all the rest, let lion, moonshine, wall, and lovers twain at large discourse while here they do remain. Exeunt Prologue Thisbe, Lion, and Moonshine. I wonder if the lion be to speak. No wonder, my lord. One lion may, while many asses do. In this interlude it doth befall, that I, one snout by name, present a wall, and such a wall as I would have you think that had in it a crannied hole or chink, through which the lovers, Pyramus and Thisbe, did whisper often, very secretly, this loam, this rough cast, and this stone doth show that I am that same wall. The truth is so, and this the cranny is, right and sinister, through which the fearful lovers are to whisper. Would you desire lime and hair to speak better? It is the wittiest partition that ever I heard discourse, my lord. Pyramus draws near the wall. Silence. Enter Pyramus. O grim-looked knight! O night with hue so black, O night which ever art when day is not, O night, O night, alack, 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 I fear my Thisbe's promise is forgot, and thou, O wall, O sweet, O lovely wall, that standst between her father's ground and mine, thou wall, O wall, O sweet and lovely wall, show me thy chink to blink through with mine eyne. Wall holds up his fingers. Thanks, courteous wall. Jove shield thee well for this. But what see I? 
no thisby do I see. O wicked wall, through whom I see no bliss, cursed be thy stones for thus deceiving me. The wall, methinks, being sensible, should curse again. No, in truth, sir, he should not. Deceiving me is Thisbe's cue. She is to enter now, and I am to spy her through the wall. You shall see it will fall pat as I told you. Yonder she comes. Enter Thisbe. O wall, full often hast thou heard my moans, for parting my fair Pyramus and me. My cherry lips have often kissed thy stones, thy stones with lime and hair knit up in thee. I see a voice. Now will I to the chink to spy, and I can hear my Thisbe's face. Thisbe! My love! Thou art my love, I think. Think what thou wilt. I am thy lover's grace. And like Lymander am I trusty still. And I, like Helen, till the fates me kill. Not Shaphalus to Procris was so true. And Shaphalus to Procris, I to you. Oh, kiss me through the whole of this vile wall. I kiss the wall's hole, not your lips at all. Wilt thou at Ninny's tomb meet me straightway? Tide life, tide death, I come without delay. Thus have I, Wall, my part discharged so. And being done, thus Wall away doth go. Exeunt Wall, Pyramus, and Thisbe. Now is a mural down between the two neighbours. No remedy, my lord, when walls are so wilful to hear without warning. This is the silliest stuff that ever I heard. The best in this kind are but shadows, and the worst are no worse if imagination amend them. It must be your imagination, then, and not theirs. If we imagine no worse of them than they are themselves, they may pass for excellent men. Here come two noble beasts in, a moon and a lion. Enter Lion and Moonshine. You ladies, you, whose gentle hearts do fear the smallest monstrous mouse that creeps on floor, may now perchance both quake and tremble here, when lion rough and wildest rage doth roar. Then know that I, once snug the joiner, am, a lion fell, nor else no lion's dam, for if I should as lion come in strife, into this place twere pity on my life. A very gentle beast, and of a good conscience. The very best at a beast, my lord, that e'er I saw. This lion is a very fox for his valour. True, and a goose for his discretion. Not so, my lord, for his valour cannot carry his discretion, and the fox carries the goose. His discretion, I am sure, cannot carry his valour, for the goose carries not the fox. It is well. Leave it to his discretion, and let us listen to the moon. This lanthorn doth the horned moon present. He should have worn the horns on his head. He is no crescent, and his horns are invisible within the circumference. This lanthorn doth the horned moon present, myself the man I the moon doth seem to be. This is the greatest error of all the rest. The man should be put into the lantern. How is it else the man i' the moon? 
he dares not come there for the candle for you see it is already in snuff oh, i am a weary of this moon would he would change it appears by his small light of discretion that he is in the wane but yet in courtesy in all reason we may stay the time proceed moon all that i have to say is to tell you that the lantern is the moon i the man in the moon this thornbush my thornbush and this dog my dog why all these should be in the lantern for all these are in the moon but silence here comes thisby enter thisby this is old ninny's tomb where is my love the lion roars thisby runs off well roared lion well run thisby well shone moon truly the moon shines with a good grace the lion tears thisby's mantle and exit <laughs> well moused lion and so comes pyramus and then the lion vanishes enter pyramus sweet moon i thank thee for thy sunny beams i thank thee moon for shining now so bright for by thy gracious golden glittering streams i trust to take of truest thisby's sight but stay o oh, spite but mark poor knight what dreadful dole is here eyes do you see how can it be oh dainty duck oh dear thy mantle good what stained with blood approach ye furies fell oh fates come come cut thread and thrum quail crush conclude and quell this passion and the death of a dear friend would go near to make a man look sad beshrew my heart but i pity the man oh wherefore nature didst thou lions frame since lion vile hath here deflowered my dear which is no no which was the fairest dame that lived that loved that liked that looked with cheer come tears confound out sword and wound the pap of pyramus ay that left pap where heart doth hop thus die i thus 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 now am i dead now am i fled my soul is in the sky tongue lose thy light moon take thy flight now die Die. Dies. Exit Moonshine. 
no die but an ace for him for he is but one less than an ace man for he is dead he is nothing with the help of a surgeon he might yet recover and prove an ass how chance moonshine is gone before thisbe comes back and finds her lover she will find him by starlight here she comes and her passion ends the play enter thisbe methinks she should not use a long one for such a pyramus i hope she will be brief a moat will turn the balance which pyramus which thisbe is the better she hath spied him already with those sweet eyes and thus she moans vitalicit asleep my love what dead my dove oh pyramus arise speak speak quite dumb dead dead a, a tomb must a tomb must cover thy sweet eyes <coughs> Are gone, are gone. Lovers make moan. His eyes were green as leeks. O oh, sisters three, come, come to me with hands as pale as milk. Lay them in gore since you have shore with shears his thread of silk tongue not a word come trusty sword come blade my breast imbrue and farewell friends thus Thisbe ends. Uh. Adieu. 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 Dies. Moonshine and Lion are left to bury the dead. Ay, and Wall too. No, I assure you, the wall is down that parted their fathers. Will it please you to see the epilogue? or to hear a bergamask dance between two of our company no epilogue i pray you for your play needs no excuse never excuse for when the players are all dead they need none to be blamed marry if he that writ it had played pyramus and hanged himself in thisbe's garter it would have been a fine tragedy and so it is truly and very notably discharged but come your bergamask let your epilogue alone here it dance of clouds the iron tongue of midnight hath told twelve lovers to bed tis almost fairy time i fear we shall outsleep the coming morn as much as we this night have overwatched this palpable gross play hath well beguiled the heavy gate of night sweet friends to bed
a fortnight hold we this solemnity in nightly revels a new jollity exeunt scene two enter puck now the hungry lion roars and the wolf behowls the moon whilst the heavy ploughman snores all with weary task for done now the wasted brands do glow whilst the scritch owl scritching loud puts the wretch that lies in woe in remembrance of a shroud now it is the time of night that the graves all gaping wide every one lets forth its sprite in the churchway paths to glide and we fairies that do run by the triple hecate's team from the presence of the sun following darkness like a dream now a frolic not a mouse shall disturb this hallowed house i am sent with broom before to sweep the dust behind the door enter oberon and titania with their train through the house give glimmering light by the dead and drowsy fire every elf and fairy sprite hop as light as bird from briar and this ditty after me sing and dance it trippingly first rehearse your song by rote to each word a warbling note hand in hand with fairy grace will we sing and bless this place song and dance now until the break of day through this house each fairy stray to the best bride-bed will we which by us shall blessed be and the issue there create ever shall be fortunate so shall all the couples three ever true in loving be and the blots of nature's hand shall not in their issue stand never mole hair-lip nor scar nor mark prodigious such as are despised in nativity shall upon their children be with this field you consecrate every fairy take his gate and each several chambers bless through this palace with sweet peace ere shall it in safety rest and the owner of it blessed trip away make no stay meet me all by break of day exeunt oberon titania and train if we shadows have offended think but this and all is mended that you have but slumbered here while these visions did appear and this weak and idle theme no more yielding but a dream gentles do not reprehend if you pardon we will mend and as i am an honest puck if we have unearned luck now to scape the serpent's tongue we will make amends ere long else the puck a liar call so good night unto you all give me your hands if we be friends and robin shall restore amends exit end of act five end of a midsummer night's dream by william shakespeare